0: I'm Autumn Lockett,
1: and this is Mitch Randall,
0: and you're listening to Good Faith Weekly.
1: On this episode of Good Faith Weekly, we're going to talk a little bit about how everybody is being so creative in their homes during this current pandemic. We're also going to talk about what's going on with uh, refugees around the world, in particular what's going on with refugees around the U.S.-Mexico border. And then in our second segment, we're going to be interviewing Reverend Lorenzo Ortiz. Reverend Ortiz made a very difficult decision when the U.S.-Mexico border was closed to remain on the Mexico side ministering to the hundreds and thousands of people who are on the uh, refugees who are on the other side of the border. So we'll be talking to him in our second segment. Autumn, it's good to talk to you. you doing okay?
0: Yeah, we're doing great. You know, some of that creativity you talked about early on is out of desperation. Um, it's sort of like our, sort of like our afternoon cup of coffee. Like we do it because we have to um in right. these trying times uh yeah i think you know i've seen churches be really creative we talked um we'll be airing it here soon uh, later this week um talked to david turner and how they had their drive-in church you you've been calling it oh, drive-in so cool you're calling it drive-through church, Mitch, but it's not only really drive-through. It's
1: not a drive-through church. It's a drive-in <laughs> church. That's right.
0: Drive-through church might involve a corn dog communion, which I wouldn't <laughs> be opposed to.
1: <laughs> oh, cor- that would be a great conversation. Would you like ketchup or mustard with your corn dog? Communion? Now, I will
0: tell you, when when um, Sonic does their 50-cent corn dogs, I take my own gray poopon, because I'm just classy like that.
1: <laughs> you are classy. I mean, that is Central Texas class.
0: It really is. Um, you know, in our house this week, though, we got pretty desperate for some warm fuzzies. And I've been reading stories about neighborhoods who are putting their Christmas lights back out. Yeah, so, that's really neat. Yeah, so that families who are feeling kind of you know cabin fever can drive around and look at Christmas lights. Uh, people are putting um, you know teddy bears in doors and things like that, just to try to try to have some kind of community within our larger community. Um and our family loves holidays. Um, especially those winter holidays. And so this week, yesterday actually, I took the day and we had Thanksgiving. No way. We did. We How did that go? (laughs) It went, you know, as well as any holiday with four kids could go. Mm -hmm. Um there weren't any in-laws involved, so that's always a plus because we've <laughs> sequestered here in our house, but we found uh, the 2019 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on YouTube.
1: Man, so you guys like, went all out. Macy's oh. Day was everything.
0: Uh, yeah, we even watched the dog show after. I mean, it nice. truly felt like Thanksgiving. I, uh, I, I freeze cranberries at the end of every... November season, because we love cranberries. This is not going to be like a food podcast, but just give me a minute. And we had a turkey and dressing. I made pecan and pumpkin pies and just the smells of the season and the the holiday parade broadcast with no mention of COVID-19 mm. was just the reprieve and mental break that we needed.
1: Right. That's amazing. You know, and I, and I can't remember if you talked about it on a previous episode or not, but I've seen this uh, replicated on social media with uh, children having birthdays uh, during this uh, this current crisis and being locked behind closed doors having birthday parties canceled and a uh, a call out by parents on social media to to help make that their kids birthday special and and people have been responding incredibly I mean, with cards and gifts. I mean, they've been just showering love upon these children. So that happened in your house.
0: It did. Yeah, we have a a March 22nd birthday, and he was pretty heartbroken because he wasn't going to get to have his friends over. And so we did kind of an an APB, like, please, please just send a card. It doesn't need to have money in it. Like, just send a card. And everyone just responded so... um, Robustly. We had hand painted cards. In fact, presents are still coming in. It's sort of like Hanukkah around here. (laughs) Eight crazy nights of (laughs) love.
1: That's fantastic. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, there's so, Alexa, there's so many creative things uh, that people are doing right now. I mean, uh, social media is flooded with uh, these creative uh, people. Uh, I've seen uh, just in our close circle with friends, people doing porch concerts, uh, playing uh, guitar, uh, piano, uh, just trying to, to just you know bring some sense of, of peace and community uh, in this time of isolation. So it's, it's really, really cool to see. I think my family and I are going to get the old board games out tonight. Uh-oh. Uh, and the four of us are going to gather around the dining room table, and maybe play a mad game of Risk or something like that.
0: Oh man, that sounds like like a a hoot and a holler.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Another Central Texas uh, saying, a hoot and a holler. We're really excited about it. You know, something
0: else that's been really interesting is, you know, we're talking about kind of these individual responses and being creative. We've talked about churches, but I've been really um, encouraged and inspired by the companies who are giving back in different ways, whether they're, you know, whether they're letting people, you know, skip a payment on, you know, something that they they need to pay for, or services like um, educational kind of services that are suspending their their annual costs so that families can have access. Now, probably it's a little bit of an advertisement, but it's working. I mean, we're using some apps and some things with our kiddos that we haven't purchased in the past, but we're getting to use them for free right now. It's been a real help.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only is uh, you know families coming together and being creative, uh, creative, but also uh, corporations and small businesses. Uh, just the whole idea of curbside service now uh, is a thing. Uh, a lot of companies or restaurants were already doing that, and it seems like everybody's doing that now. And and then corporations, uh, you know, even uh, reconstructing their uh, their factories. Uh, in a lot of cases, some uh, auto industry uh, makers in, uh, in Michigan and elsewhere are uh, reconfiguring their, their factories to make ventilators, which are so yeah. desperately needed right now. Same thing with uh, the 3M mask. So uh, basically, what we're saying is good job, America. That's good right. Good job, people around the world. You're doing a great job. This is a horrible, terrible moment in uh, history but we are persevering and we're getting through this together. So it's neat to see. It is. Welcome back to the pod. And we want to shift gears right now and talk a little bit about what's going on with the most vulnerable in the world when it comes to really trying to obtain resources in this time of peril. Here locally in Oklahoma, what we are discovering is Food banks are really being depleted of their resources. Their shelves are almost empty in many cases. A lot of local businesses have stepped up and have tried to help in that effort. Uh, but the reality is the, the the need is so great that it's just hard to keep up with demand. In fact, one of our good friends to the pod, Imam Imad and Chauncey in Oklahoma City, put out a call on social media the other day that their Uh, pantry their food pantry was almost bare and uh, thankfully people you know responded and and tried to fill those shelves but I'm telling you Autumn this uh, pandemic uh, the way resources are being depleted uh, is really causing havoc among those who are uh, food insecure and uh, and struggling uh, financially as well.
0: Yeah and it's You know, I think we're all feeling a little bit of this and something that um, Elizabeth Thompson talked about on our previous episode was um, how we use the fear. She's like, the fear is supposed to inspire you to do something. It's there for a reason. The fear itself is not a bad feeling. It's what you do with the fear to be healthy. All of us have this lizard brain part of us that's like, store up all the things that we need and fill our freezers and fill our pantries and overfill even. Um, But at the same time, we have to be able to look out for others, not only, you know, leaving a couple of packs of chicken for someone else to get, but, you know, I think it's one of those things you have to have an eye out. Um, Yes, you should be prepared, but you don't have to over prepare to the point of being selfish
1: yeah, in fact, i had got a story told to me the other day by one of our colleagues, Johnny Pierce, uh, who was our executive director for publishing, executive editor here at Good Faith Media. Uh, he was telling me that he was uh, made his weekly trip to the grocery store uh, where uh, in the hour that, as he said, and I'm not calling Johnny old, please don't take take offense to this, but he said, when old people shop, Uh <laughs> He said he walked back uh, to the, the back of the grocery store, and he said you could almost hear the angels singing because as he turned the corner, there were two uh, full uh, containers of toilet paper sitting there on the aisle. And, uh, and he said, I quickly threw both of them into my uh, basket, and then he, his conscience got a hold of him, And he said, all I could think of is... That little old man that I passed on the way back to get the toilet paper getting back here in the shelf being empty of toilet paper so I took one of them out and put it back on the shelf and I said well Johnny, you have received your crown today because uh, uh, that was a good thing to do
0: That's exactly how Jesus would shop for toilet paper in these times
1: oh save that <laughs> Oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. So seen that?
0: Like, um, so I heard that a coffee company that's very popular with the green mermaid, I'm not going to say, because we're not sponsored by them right.
1: yet. yet.
0: <laughs> um, but they gave their employees at each store the option to go home and still be paid or to keep their store open and still be paid. They had the option. So if you find these coffee shops that are still open, that's why, because the employees have chosen to drive-through only, right in our area. Uh, But the ones that closed had a lot of dairy products and had a lot of things that were going to, you know, they weren't shelf stable like coffee beans. What were they going to do with it? And I know here in Norman, um, the center for families and infants, CCFI um, received a large, um, donation of, um, coffee shop, dairy products because you know, they weren't going to use it, but these other more vulnerable communities could. So I just think I thought that was really nice.
1: It is absolutely. And you know, talking about the most vulnerable, here in a second, we're going to be interviewing uh, Reverend uh, Lorenzo Ortiz, uh, who is now in Mexico on the other side of the border. And when the border was closed, he made the conscious decision to stay in Mexico to minister among refugees that he has been working with for years upon years. You know, as we, th- we think about the most vulnerable, a lot of times we began to think immediately about our needs, the needs within our community. And we forget that those refugees and migrants around the world hadn't gone anywhere, Uh -uh. still exactly where they were when this crisis broke out. I was reading an article the other day about the refugees in Europe who had migrated all the way from Syria and uh, the civil war uh, that was taking place there, fleeing uh, just violent, violent uh, places in the world and how now inside these camps that they're a breeding ground for the spread of this virus. And as of yet, it has not uh, penetrated those camps, but it most likely is probably going to get there. And when it does, it's, it's just going to uh, explode uh, because of the proximity of everybody. And so
0: um, can't you distance
1: know. in a refugee camp. No, you cannot at all. And so, you know, when we talk to Pastor uh, Lorenzo here in a little bit, I know he's going to talk about what's going on uh, in the uh, around the Mexican border. And just, I mean, just imagine, Autumn, uh, you're a mom and you have your four kids. You are living in a country that's just torn by war, by cartels. And you flee literally for your life because you're just terrified that your kids are, are going to die at the hands of these cartels and these civil wars that are taking place. I mean, can you just imagine making your way all the way from Central America to the U S Mexico border? And as you come up on the border, you can see, you can literally see hope in your eyesight. And then to have to go through the refugee and asylum seeking process is a headache in itself here in the U S
0: even in and, the best of times,
1: yeah, even in the best of times. Right. I mean, it just is, it, it is what it is in this process, but, and now you're hit with this virus. The borders are closed. Uh, we'll hear from uh, pastor Lorenzo here in just a moment that it's just wreaked havoc with a lot of these families who are just so close to the the hope that they they wanted to cling to but yet now it seems even farther away than it did when they arrived.
0: You know we'll talk to Lorenzo about what we can do as we sit here you know cozied up in our houses watching Netflix, um, what we can do to support his ministry there Places like Fellowship Southwest and different ministries that we have on the board. I know CBF does a lot of work down there. And so I think making sure that we have those conduits uh, to be able to funnel our, you know, our, our funds and our resources and those things. But one of the things that he'll talk about uh, when we interview him and not to give away all the spoils, but is that he wants us to pray.
1: Absolutely. And after the interview today with uh, Pastor Lorenzo Ortiz, those who are wanting more information, they can go to ethicsdaily.com because we have, uh, at this time of uh, production of this podcast, two articles from Fellowship Southwest Executive Director Marv Knox. Marv's been working closely with Lorenzo. In fact, he was our our go-between to get the interview with Lorenzo. And you'll want to see and hear, or read more about what's going on at the border, as well as see how ways you can help uh, directly with the ministry down there with those families. So, coming up next, Pastor Lorenzo Ortiz, who is now in Mexico after the border closed because of the pandemic. Are you looking for a new way to grow your faith? Nurturing Faith is offering five of their best-selling devotionals for only $12 for Good Faith Weekly listeners. Go to NurturingFaith.net to find hope from Carol Bozeman Taylor, John R. Roebuck, Blake McKinney, Michael L. Ruffin, and Merrill J. Davies. The books are all available in the bookstore section of the Nurturing Faith website. And now, back to Mitch and Autumn. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. I'm Mitch Randall, and we have a very special guest with us today, Lorenzo Ortiz. Lorenzo is a Texas pastor who operates three immigrant shelters in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. And Ortiz made a bold decision to stay behind in Mexico when the U.S. government closed the border to all non-essential travel on Saturday, the mar- uh, March 21st. So, Lorenzo, first of all, welcome to the program.
2: Thank Thank you. you. Hi. Good morning.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm Mitch Randall, and and, uh, Autumn Lockett is our co-host here at Good Faith Weekly, and we just thank you for joining us. We know that you are extremely busy working on the Mexican side of the border, uh, working with refugees in particular. So, uh, first of all, Lorenzo, just uh, introduce yourself, tell us what you've been doing recently.
2: Sure. Uh, my name is Lorenzo Ortiz, and I'm pastoring in a home church in uh, Laredo, Texas. Uh, it's called Buen Samaritano Migrante, and um, we had to start it that because of the the, the changes, uh, the, the, the not easy to host families in church. So we decided to open our home and register on uh, their home church. So uh, I'm pastor uh, here.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So, Lorenzo, first question I've got to ask is that uh, you were on the uh, south side of the border when the news broke that both the U.S. and Mexico governments were going to be closing the border to non-essential travel. And you made the conscious decision to stay and minister on the Mexican side. Now, not a lot of people would make that choice, but you did. Tell us why.
2: Yes. Uh, well, the, the the main thing is uh, because uh, this family is they're the most vulnerable, I believe. Um, uh, they're coming from Central America, and uh, the Central America family is one of the the the, the main uh, 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 financial purpose for the cartels. So, no, no, uh, nobody wants to help them, uh, like churches or any other ministers or government either, because they know that cartels are going to be after them. So I decided to just focus on that, those families. And that's why I decided to uh, go across and stay with On uh, We open up uh, two shelters and, and we want to stay with them uh, as long as we can.
1: Now you said these these families, you mentioned these families and, and individuals that you're working with. Uh, these are non-Mexican citizens as well, right? These are refugees from other countries.
2: That is correct. Most of all, from a big amount from Honduras, uh, El Salvador, Guatemala. And uh, we have some Nicaragua, Peru, Venezuela, and uh, a few Cubans. And uh, But especially, mainly, the Central America, because that's where the cartel makes uh, the big amount of money for, uh, to try to get them across. So uh, mm. uh, that's uh, it's, it's just everyday uh, kidnapping thereafter. Uh, the people that crosses the the river for the first time. And and that's why we, uh, as a church, now the cartel know what we're doing and how do we help them uh, how do we uh, take them from the immigration facilities to the nearest city, which is Monterey, two hours and a half away from the border. And uh, we host them in Nuevo Laredo. We feed them and we try to help them as much as we can. uh, Share the gospel with them and try to, uh, Give them some other information about their paperwork.
1: My goodness. So, on top of this long trek that these families have made to escape violence and terror in their countries, not only are they facing that long journey, but when they arrive at the border, they're facing situations where uh, they're going to be hungry, they're going to be tired, they need shelter. And now, the coronavirus has hit. So, can you kind of yes. tell us a little bit about what, how, how are people dealing with the virus on top of all of this other craziness that they have to face as human beings?
2: Right, uh, the, when they uh, leave their country, you know, there's uh, not just a, uh, an American dream, or, or just a. a, a or just uh, an ambition to have a better life. But uh, a lot of the credible fears that they write down to uh, put on their application uh, for the political asylum, uh, most of all, they have a connection with the uh, uh, gangs that are are kidnapping or beating up or killing or government that is is corrupted and, and, and they can't help them at all. So uh, they push them uh, pretty much to leave their their uh, homes. Uh, they, they don't have any other options. Mm-hmm. They, they, they try to stay as long as they can. But when they know that they already killed one of their relatives or they're uh, um, uh, uh, threatening their lives uh, many times, so they have to take the decision on, on dying in their country or dying on the, on the way trying to get to a better life. So uh, they end up on... And decided to leave but then when they leave they gotta cross someone's up to two or three other countries. And every time they cross a country they gotta deal with other type of cartels. And when they get to the uh uh to the border, uh they're sent back. Uh and every time they send them back for the first time, that's when the other cartel, uh there's two cartels. One is on the, the golf cartel that comes from uh, uh, Monterey to Reynosa and and um, uh, uh, Reynosa and Matamoros. Mm-hmm. And then when the immigrants send them back, they send it through Nuevo Laredo, which is another cartel. So another cartel, when they send back for the first time, they take them. So when we pick them up at the immigration, they stop us every day and make sure that we don't have a person for the first time that has been uh, deported. So uh, they, they check us out every day and if they see somebody for the first time, they take it with them. Uh, they kidnap him. They ask for a certain amount of money um, uh, to uh, uh, about $7,500 each person. Uh, it, it can be a dad or a, or a boy or a mom and a, and a boy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they leave the, the rest of us with us and, and that's how we take them to shelters and take it back. Now we're dealing with another thing that the uh, virus is, is it's getting worse because uh, nobody wants to take him to uh, the nearest city, so we, we're, we're packed at uh, the shelters, and uh, we have to take uh, this family to Monterey to relieve the pressure. But now they're, uh, they're, they're both sides of the immigration, the U.S. side and the Mexican side, last night uh, they didn't want the immigration, uh, Mexican immigration. They don't want the people in their facilities because of the virus. Right. So they send it to the middle of the bridge to sleep there. And then at the middle of the bridge, the uh, cost them. They don't want them on the middle of the bridge. So this morning, early in the morning, we had to move the people out. And then they said that they got to come back at noontime uh, for their appointment. And uh, they don't allow them to get into the U.S. They just bring their people work to the middle of the bridge. Uh, let them find out, and then they got to go back and wait in Mexico again. So it's just the churches. Uh, we're we're in the middle, uh, helping these families to travel to their destination cities, or staying someone's in Nuevo Laredo. Mm-hmm. and we're in the middle of the of the two authorities, the immigration, trying to find out where can they stay or how can they get their their uh, a new court date. Um, uh, so we're in the middle of all this, yeah. uh, situations and then they don't, uh, they don't have, they can have a job so easily now because of the virus, uh, they don't have no funds, no money to travel. So, so Renzo, let me,
1: let me, let me ask a clarifying question. Are you telling me that there are refugees that were currently on the U S side of the border in detention centers? And because of the virus, they were taking them to the bridge and just dropping them off at the bridge?
2: Not on the U.S. side. Not on the U.S. Uh, side. Okay. They're all, no, they're all on the Mexican side. They're all on the side. Mexican side. Okay. Okay. Yes. Thanks. So we got to bring them from Monterey. There's a, like a logistic uh, uh, um, uh, travel that we got to do. We pick them in Mexican immigration, mm-hmm. take them to our shelter, mm-hmm. and then take them to Monterey. Bringing back from a race, uh, some other ones to their appointments in the U.S., and then they they meet on the middle of the bridge, and then they send it back.
1: Okay, there you go. Okay, so how many people are we actually talking about? How many people are you having to move per day?
2: Well, the uh, two shelters that we have in Nuevo Laredo and the one in Saltillo that we have at, uh, at another church, we're talking about a few hundred people that we got uh, staying uh, every day. Okay.
1: okay. Autumn, you had a question.
0: Yeah, I was, it was just interesting to hear you say that the shelters weren't considered an essential, you know, operation right now in the US, we are able to keep up and running homeless shelters, you know, um, shelters for people who are seeking asylum from domestic abuse. But it's interesting that the bridge is is a viable option.
2: Yes. Yes, that's correct. Uh, We... Uh, this is one of the things that now that we're dealing that they don't supposed to lose their court date. Otherwise they lose their cases. And that's what the uh, uh, customs or immigration in the U S told them that if they don't present themselves uh, to renew their court date, then they will lose all their cases. So they, they're, they're forced to come and this. These are families now that they can't find a job to travel. They don't have a place to stay. They try to look for shelters, and shelters don't want to, uh, don't want to help them. And um, um, even the, our shelters, we're kind of a uh, 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 little um, uh, uh, worry about what government is going to say if they're going to allow us to keep these families out of shelters because of this virus, or we don't know what they're going to do. So, but we're still facing all the challenges: uh, government, virus, uh, work. Um, uh, places for them to stay, um, providing their their uh, uh, primary needs. So those are the things we're facing. So
0: how how can we help you, Lorenzo? My heart is just breaking for these families.
2: Yeah, uh, mainly it's it's prayer, prayer uh, that connects us with God's will, and He's always ahead of us, and and He's got a plan. He He knows what He's going to do. But our prayers, I know, will make a big difference. So we want to ask all the churches to pray for us. I know we're in the middle of uh, uh, being uh, affected either through cartels, through virus, through um, uh, financial needs, through uh, um, emotional needs. And we're sharing the gospel in between all this. And we, we see this as the greatest opportunity to, to share the gospel and God's love and God's power because um, that's what changes and makes it different in people's lives. So it's amazing how God, uh, even in the middle of all this uh, circumstances, He makes people strong and trust more on Him instead of destroying their faith or, or their hope. So uh, prayer is, is, is the main thing. And if somebody is willing to uh, help out and another the way, uh, whatever they can, I know that it's not easy for them to travel. But if somebody wants to make like a phone call or a video call to see what's going on, they're welcome to. Um, um, we can share some of those videos some pictures if you'll uh, need some and that would be uh, I think one of the ways that we can all help.
1: Well, Lorenzo, we would really appreciate uh, you know those photos and videos. Not only are we going to be praying for you, but uh, you there is a, a means in which uh, our listeners can support your effort down in Mexico. Uh, during this current crisis. And you are working closely with Fellowship Southwest and Marv Knox mm-hmm. out of Texas. Uh, also, yeah. uh, Jorge Zapata, and uh, who's yeah. working with uh, Fellowship Southwest as well. So if uh, any of our listeners want to help Lorenzo in this ministry, uh, they can uh, send a donation to Fellowship Southwest, and they will forward that money and resource over to Lorenzo to help him minister to these families along the border. Lorenzo, I have a follow-up question. Are any of the refugees and these beautiful people that you're working with, are any of them showing signs of the virus?
2: Not at all. Thank God we don't have not one. Uh, We've been uh, having just like a normal flu or um, uh, allergies, but not not something uh, serious. So we just thank God for uh, what He's uh, uh, doing and, and protecting us from the virus, and, and, and our health is good. Uh, I've been uh, uh, having services with this through shelters, and uh, we're also. Tra- I'm also traveling to Monterey every day, um, except Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, but um, even Saturdays and Sundays, I'm in Valle Laredo even though that I don't travel to Monterey. But uh, thank God for what he's doing, and we're, we're,
1: we're good. Good. Well, Lorenzo, thank you so much for joining us. Autumn, do you have any further questions uh, for Lorenzo?
0: Yeah, Lorenzo, um, at Good Faith Weekly, our motto is there's more to tell, and gosh, you've already told us so much. I feel like we've maybe already heard yours, but is there any other final word that you'd like for us to hear before we leave?
2: Yes, uh, uh, I just want to thank God for all the the, the, the people of God that that he stayed uh, on the, on this race instead of getting getting weak, to just gets stronger and and uh, and uh, that they can use all these uh, uh, obstacles and circumstances uh, and 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 God and ourselves we can turn uh, all this uh, into good, to share the gospel to uh, love our neighbors to uh, uh, call them and. and uh, I'm giving my word of faith. This is a great opportunity that uh, all the people, it seems that uh, that's more open to listen, to hear what God is doing. And that's what's going to make the difference what God is doing in the middle of all this, instead of worrying about the, the real or focusing more about the virus or the, 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 the uh, 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 bad things that's happening. So uh, just to share God's love and God's power with the people.
1: Well, Lorenzo, you're certainly providing an example for us that during the midst of crisis, there is a door opening for good people to do good things, and you are certainly doing that, my friend. So thank you for all the hard work that you're doing in Mexico right now. Uh, Thank you for your bravery to stay Uh, In Mexico, when the border was closed, you've got thousands upon thousands of people here in the U.S. praying for you. You've got churches praying for you, and uh, we hope that uh, our listeners will respond by helping you uh, help those who have traveled so far for a hope that they want to cling to. So thank you so much uh, for joining us, and uh, blessings upon you, my friend.
2: Uh, thank you, and I want to thank CBF and, and the churches and, and, and brothers and sisters that have been uh, helping and um, praying also uh, for what we're doing. And God bless every one of you.
1: Lorenzo Ortiz, a Texas pastor on the other side of, uh, or the southern side of the border in Mexico, yeah. decided to stay uh, behind in Mexico when the uh, travel Uh, limitations were put on by both U.S. and Mexican governments. Thank you again for joining us, uh, Lorenzo, and God bless.
2: Thank you, likewise.